What, what's your name? I want to silence fascists and bigots. Yes, so you want to silence women? Well, if they're also, so like women can choose not to be, and also you're not a woman, you know? So How do you know? You just, you just misgendered me. Oh, how do you know? How do you know I'm not a woman? My name is Anne McElhenney. And I'm Philip McLear. Welcome to the Anne Film Scoop. Yes. So, we are still in Ireland. Uh, we will be heading back to the States shortly. Um, but it's, you know, we're in progressive Ireland. So if you live in not so progressive America, this is coming to a city and a state near you. So we, this is Ireland is trying to out California, California. I think. Yep, exactly. And, uh, so at the weekend, uh, where were we at? We were from from turf to turf. Oh, boom, boom. <laughs> we were at an Irish women's rights rally in Dublin where yes. they were protesting about the the trans madness. To talk about women's rights. Journalists asking questions is now. Possibly against the law. It's very interesting. And by the way, if you may, we'll talk some later on about the the hate crime legislation that was postponed. It's already we're we're already on dicey ground, asking difficult questions here. And look at who supports trans rights with friends like these. Who needs enemies? Yes. We're going to bring you who exactly is in the ranks of these trans rights people. Yes. And uh, kind of extraordinary. We'll show you some of the pictures we took there. And we and talked to a journalist on being a turf and how this, you know, we talked uh, to a journalist about being a turf and what she's seen. She's based in Europe. So Europe is, is there's it's, it's interesting differences between Europe and Ireland and America and the UK. And, uh, and we should stop, Philip, and just say for those of you who don't know what a turf is. Turf, not spelt T-U-R-F, which of course is a fuel source, a fossil fuel source in Ireland, but actually turf, T-E-R-F, which is trans-exclusionary radical feminist, feminist, which is basically another another phrase for, and by, by the way, that's meant to be insulting, by the way, that's meant to be an insult to people who are basically anti grooming of children, anti-trans madness, yes. who are just basically completely... Anti-puberty un- blockers for children, anti... Funny, I'm actually anti-puberty blockers for any of age. I'm also anti-trans surgery at any age. Uh, adults are, can have anorexia. Uh, adults can be mentally ill. That doesn't mean that we, sh- that we should affirm the mental illness, affirm the anorexia, Correct. affirm the bulimia, affirm the addiction. The adults can... Uh, be addicted to heroin they can be addicted to all sorts of things uh, we shouldn't affirm it no. we should uh, try and help them through it and so, and and the last item we have today is did Trump really condemn Ron DeSantis Ron DeSantis for signing a heartbeat bill a fee- we investigate what he said and what it means for the election and when we say heartbeat bill we mean an abortion heartbeat bill yes yeah so we but went start we went to this rally on Saturday in Dublin First thing that struck me, I went over because this is what I do. I went over to the to the uh, to the Antifa-led opposition. Uh, uh, there's also a, a party called People Before Profit (PBB). As some, as our, as the journalist says later, she calls them people banning puberty. 
uh, party. So they, they were leading it. But also look at who the friends are. And these, this is the footage I took. So there, look at that, the picture of Lenin, the picture of the hammer, hammer and sickle, the socialist banners. But I mean, you know, just to stop on the Lenin thing for a moment, do you think Phelan Lenin would have been very sympathetic to people who were said, men who dress up as women? Do you think Lenin would have been a great, a great supporter and protector of children who are confused? Would that be a thing now that you would have thought Lenin would have been associated with? I think Phelan? there would be a gulag, for, especially for them. Yeah. I mean, Che Guevara wrote in his diaries how much he enjoyed shooting homosexuals. Oh, my God. Right. And this is, this is who these people are. And that are. was in the 60s. That was like in the 60s. So, you know, I don't think Lenin uh, and uh, Stalin, he, 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 had a, he had a great time killing homosexuals. Um, uh, I don't even think there was such a thing as transsexuals. Then. But what was interesting about the rally, I mean, my, my kind of impression, and I know Philem's going to tell a story in a moment about what happened to him, but what was my big take out of this thing was the, the rally that was organised that was called Let Women Speak, right? So it was this Let Women Speak, and it's obviously a lot of them you know, have this a lot to say about, particularly about this mm-hmm. trans madness. Um, and then this opposition ter- shows up, this very, very organised opposition shows up mm-hmm. to drown out the women's voices. And it's like, you know, do you, have you heard about the suffragettes? Did you hear about women's rights? You know, yes. whatever happened to that? So you have these men, mostly men, making huge amounts of noise um, and you'll hear some of that when you hear some of that footage but they were making like really blaring um, you know having this kind of but also having that noise like a like a siren like a police siren they were literally trying to drown I mean you can metaphorically try and silence someone they were literally trying to silence someone so that they couldn't be heard by playing loud music on an amplifier uh, sirens. So apparently you're not allowed to have certain opinions and if you have those opinions you will not be allowed you'll be silenced by this mob yeah, so I was standing there, as I was filming as a journalist and looking around. The next thing, coming into the turf side was someone who quite obviously was not a turf, was, was pro, pro-trans madness, pro-double mastectomies, pro-all of that, pro-puberty blockers, pro-a man can be a woman just by saying he's a woman, all that. And she came with this sign, we'll put it up there, this thing on a stick, and it's try a new hobby you've fallen down a scaremongering rabbit hole your fears are invented by others to make you angry and spread them further talk to your friends and family many of them know actual trans people and then on the other side was other other anti uh, turf uh, you know and pro trans stuff so I went over to the lady and as you can see I went over and uh, I asked her um, and she said to me before I started filming she said well it's a free speech issue and of course I, I said to her and you can hear me say it now what do you think would happen if we, if, if somebody went over there with a poster, a anti-trans poster, over to the other side? Oh, I think they'd be treated very well. I mean, we all yeah, know, yeah, we all know yeah. that you'd get your head cleaved off. Yeah, like yeah. You, they were you, very, yeah, there was, it was very, very aggressive. Very were, angry. Yeah. Very angry. Uh, but interestingly, funny enough, a lot of the English people, uh, I met a few English people who came over to support the TERFs, and they were saying that, that, that they felt that, that, the Dublin people on their side were more angry than the people in England. And I think that's because there's a real debate in England. Yes. In most of Europe, and you'll hear Rushing, uh, the person we interview later, she's saying it's there's more anger in Europe and there's more anger in Ireland than there is in the UK. But there's a massive de- ongoing debate in the UK. So I, I said to this woman, I said that, and she's no, it'll be treated fine. And I said, she says it's a free speech issue. And I says, okay, it's a free speech issue, but you think these women here 
you think people shouldn't be allowed to say what they say? Mm-hmm. And she goes, she kind of looks at me, and you get, let, let's, let's hear, hear it, right? Let's listen to this. What would happen, you think, if someone with one of these signs went over to that stage? So you were asking me a second ago, I think yes. it'd be grand, you yes. buy it. No. Yeah, yeah. And you thought it was a free speech issue? Yeah. 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 So why do they want to stop people like Posey Parker speaking? Uh, why do they want to... to uh, you know, they're, they're actually saying no Nazis, no yeah. Posey Parker. Well, so I guess it's, they're it's pointing out that a lot of the people here are like fascists uh-huh. that also hate immigrants and also hate women in general. Yes, And yes. want to roll back abortion yes. rights and everything. Uh-huh. But do you, think, do you think they should have a right to speak? Uh, I don't think they should have, like, sorry? No, let her speak, let her speak. I'm not silencing women. I want you to listen to me as well. Yeah, no, but do you so. think do you think these women, people here, have a right to speak? I don't think hate has a right to speak. So you want to silence women I, then? Like I got places to be. So no, no, you're here. You, nice you, you, you want to silence women then? No. What, what's your name? I want to silence fascists and bigots. Yes. So you want to silence women? Well, if they're also so like women can choose not to be, and also you're not a woman, you know. So, How do you know? You just you just misgendered me. Oh, how do you know? How do you know I'm not a woman? Basically, yes, she agrees that women who disagree with her should be silenced, hmm. right? So that is what she's saying. So this is where it got very, very interesting, right? So I went over and I continued to question her. Now I was continuing to question her and trying to really tease her out, but also trying to see what was going to emerge. Next thing, and, and you'll see it here, a thug jumps in front of me, grabs me by the shoulder and pulls me back and jumps in front of me. One of her thug friends. Check right? it out. Yeah. Watch that video. Right. And uh, next thing, two members, two uniform members, the Gardaí, which is the Irish police, come and remove this woman under something called Section 21 of the Public Order Act. And if you if you hear me and other people saying, don't remove her, we yeah. don't mind her being yeah. here. Don't totally. Please do not remove her. And they were, no, no, no. So in Ireland, you can be removed from the street during a protest for having the wrong sign. Let her stay, let her stay. Sorry? Sorry? You make sure everyone gets in and gets safe, okay? That's all we're doing, okay? I, I actually think if you look at what I was asking her, I was making her think and making her for the first time have to really examine what she believed and the, and, and the consequences of it. I felt I was actually getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think she was kind of relieved yeah. that they were forcing her out. She, there was no objection. But you see me there, I'm going, no, let her stay, let her stay. So anyway, she was thrown out under Section 21 of the Public Order Act. Uh, if any Irish people out there um, know more about this, tell me what that section 21 yes, is. Yes. Um, do you think the guards were correct in doing that? The police, Irish police? I don't know. So then I was standing there, I was thinking, how else can I do my journalism? How else can I cause trouble? You know, basically the same thing. That's what journalism should do. Uh, so I thought, well, I, that thug who stood in front of me to protect this, you know, to stop me. Because I was really, I was asking her questions and she was, you can see sometimes she was unable to answer. She yes. couldn't come up yes. with an answer. Yep. So I went back and I started asking the thug and here's me asking the thug difficult questions about does he believe in freedom of speech? Does he believe, why did you stand in front of me? Why did you grab Let's me? Let's watch that. Yeah. Hey there, why did you do that? Yeah, you did. Why did you push me out of the way? Okay, so, and again, you've noticed I blanked out his face. I would blurred his face. So then this happened. 
Yeah, you're you're not allowed inside this area, okay? Okay, step out of here. So you jumped in the front of me? No, yeah, I did. And now now directing oh. you to leave this okay. area, okay? Yes. Turns out Mr. Thug is an undercover cop. Right? By the way, good good disguise. Yep. yep. I mean yep. genuine and then his friend emerged, who's also an undercover cop, and then they wanna throw me out. The only time he wanted to throw me out was when I was putting the camera not in his face, but was asking him difficult questions. Yes, right. Yes. Now I'm blanking out his face here, right? Because I think he acted outside the law. I think he was wrong. Maybe he didn't. Maybe that's the law. Maybe maybe he's allowed to do that. Wouldn't I, surprise me. Wouldn't there, surprise but, me. But at the end, but of it's the, funny. Once once Phelan kind of pointed out that this guy was an undercover cop, it was really interesting because we looked around. I was looking around at one stage. Well, they asked let, people. Let me finish. Let me okay. finish. Let me finish the story. So. I'm being thrown out and I'm going, like, I'm a journalist and uh, at one stage he says, where's your credentials? And, and by the way, journalists don't have to show their credentials. You know, it's not a police state. To the state. cops. Not, to anyone, it's not a police state, right? Uh, but luckily one of the stewards came along and said, no, 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 he films, at, he, he films at a lot of our events and that. He's a journalist. And then I was allowed to stay. He, he comes to our events. So okay. I'm with them. Cameras in no, but it's a public space. So I... We blurred out his face because I think he's. It's not. I'm. I'm not there to give cops a hard time. I think he acted outside, appropriately. Inappropriate. No, I think he opted okay. opted slightly outside his powers. Right. Uh, basically, he, he lost his temper. I think and, and went to throw me out because I was giving him a hard time. And I'm not. You know. It, it, look, I was. Um, let's just say I was uh, firm uh, in my questioning. And was was looking for answers and and, uh, and got them, uh, but I, I, so that was resolved. But I'd be listen. There's a hate crime legislation coming to Ireland. Even Elon Musk. Let's put up that tweet. Even Elon Musk has condemned it. They postponed it because it's a hot potato. But if the cops can throw a woman out of a, a woman's march for having the wrong opinion, placard, wrong placard. If they can throw a journalist out for asking a woman, a, a cop, hard questions, hard questions, then this hate crime legislation is like, not going to be it's, good. It's going to be there'll be no freedom of speech. But in I have Ireland to say that all. I was going to say there earlier that you know we realised then I I sort of started looking and of course I could then it's kind of funny we could really easily spot all these undercover cops they were just all over the place because at certain times they were asking people to cheer because you know to cheer the speakers and they were saying give them a big cheer because all of course the anti yes. um, the anti free speech the anti women let women speak people who were the other side of the of the barricades were making. All this noise so every now and again they'd say make lots of noise so people would try and make lots of noise and i would look behind me and there were these young men dressed far too neatly wearing a lot of navy let's just say and wearing shiny shoes and kind of looking and decent and kind of nicely shaved and they looked know, like they'd just come from their first communion they looked very nice and very kind of very well behaved but they were going and they were just sort of sniff, smirking and i was thinking yeah they're not cheering because they're actually undercover cops so but i have to say one thing and i think a lot of people who were part of the Organizers of the of the event were very happy that yeah. the Gardaí, that the Irish police force, were you know took it seriously and had done this thing where they had separated the crowds. But it was actually kind of extraordinary. I mean, it's very amazing to see women, you know, having an event called Let Women Speak, yes. where there is a concerted effort and an organized effort to not let them speak. And one thing, um, I'm not sure if we're going to go straight to the interview now, Phil. No, no, I, I was, was a couple of things I want to say. First of all, I think my cop wins best undercover cop of of the rally. I mean, right. he gen I it was a complete shock to me. 
I, you know, I, I don't want to show his face, but he, believe me, he looks like, you know, looks like a thug, which is pretty good. The rest of them were pretty, um, you're going, that's an undercover cop, that's an undercover cop. But maybe they were undercover as such. But this, you could see this guy doing a drug deal on a corner. So 10 out of 10, Mr. Undercover Cop. Yes. Uh, I got his name, which I'm not going to give out on, uh, here on air. Uh, 10 out of 10, Mr. Undercover Cop. Perhaps six out of ten, ten out of ten for looks and demeanor and, and dress, by the way. Uh, six out of ten, perhaps, for interpretation of public order legislation. Maybe not. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm wrong. I'd love people to tell me in the notes, in the comments section, did he do the right thing or was I, am I right? Uh, rest of the cops, uh, you know, listen, they were there. They were there to protect us. Uh, to be fair, and uh, you and things things went well apart from that little little hiccup, and that's why I'm not going to make a bigger thing out of this, and I I don't want to get anyone into any trouble. I just wish cops would study the legislation better and allow journalists to do their job and allow people to come in and peacefully oppose other people. Um, anyway, I, that's that's. Here endeth my little uh, comment. So, we, so one of the things that happened actually at the rally that was kind of interesting was we walked in and almost immediately met some of the women who had been at the play in London, uh, Mermaids versus the Alliance play that Salem had written and you know they were all delighted to see us, so very, very nice. But also we met um, Bran Dove, who some of you will remember yes. was the woman who, the young girl, 14 years old, high school student in Ireland, who has written this amazing poem, uh, I Am Not a Dress. And she addressed the crowd. Some of you will remember her. We interviewed her on the show about what had happened to her in school. But let's listen now to some of the speech she made at the event, Let Women Speak. Let's listen to that now. As a secondary school student here in Ireland, it absolutely sickens me to tell you that there are teachers over there in that crowd. <laughs> is their reaction to some people voicing a different opinion. And with some of them being teachers, can you imagine how they would react should a student disagree with their outlandish views? Because I don't have to imagine. I know all too well what can happen. The reason I'm standing here now is because two years ago, I asked some questions in class. I was 12 years old and um, my school was partaking in stand-up week which is all about pushing trans insanity which is also organised by Benom too and um, exactly um, yet um, um, yeah it's organised by Benom too and then um, by the way Schools across Ireland will be partaking in this week again from the 6th of November this year. So parents, please look after your kids. So, when my school partook in stand-up week in 2021, the most outrageous lies were taught as fact. We were told Trans women are women, since they have signed that birth. The use of preferred pronouns is essential. No. I wasn't swallowing any of it. 
Surprise, surprise! My teachers weren't able to answer any of them. After that, all hell broke loose. Teachers started making desperate attempts to re-educate me. There was, there was one instance when my science teacher spent half an hour trying to convince me that being a man or a woman has nothing to do with your reproductive system. you know quite extraordinary this is what is happening in high schools in Ireland yes, by the way yes. in Ireland yep. so n don't bother with even thinking about California extraordinary mm -hmm. um, and, in, and another thing that struck me and it's, it'll come up a little bit in this next interview that we're going to put on just now with this journalist that we spoke to earlier who was also a member I was also at the event and spoke at the event um, she talked about the fact that the organised opposition is very much made up of NGOs, these non-governmental organisations, charities that are paid for mostly in Ireland by taxpayers, mm -hmm. including Tenny, which is, I'm just going to get you the, the, the complete name Trans of that. So they're called Trans Trans Equality. Transgender Equality Network Ireland. Huge money from the government. And just to give you an idea how completely... Again, do you remember last week I sort of said, you know, sometimes you might say to yourself, am I going completely mad? Am I completely... No, you're not going mad. The world's gone mad and you're totally sane and more people need to stand up and say, this is madness. And here's just a, amazing. From this network, Trans Equality Network Ireland, as I said, Irish taxpayers are paying to make this NGO happen. And they've got these life hacks, including how to do binding binding refers to the act of flattening breast tissue with constrictive materials this should be done with a chest binder research where you can buy a binder underworks approximately 28 euros you know and they give you the names of where to do it regularly regularly wash your binder and air dry it measure your chest size size up get help whatever so this is transgender well and i, I just said to phelan today um why don't we have Maybe they should give us information about foot binding because foot binding was a bit of a thing, right? That was done in certain Asian countries with women. This was like the idea that men found it really attractive if women had really, really small feet. And so what you do is you go ahead and oh, just... Oh, women wanted small feet. And then. women wanted the small feet then because it was attractive. And so what you do is you just break all their toes and you keep binding them and you get eventually get over all the smell of the rotten flesh and all that kind of good stuff. So it's a well, version. It's a version of that, I this binding. They should have a leaflet about how to how to be what's best for anorexia. Yeah. Or bulimia. Yeah, yeah because if this is if this is acceptable because anorexia is about changing your body and stopping it growing, and this is chest binding, which is the same thing. It's unbelievable. I mean, this is so you know you are not going mad. The world has gone mad. Yes. Um, but let's go to this interview that we did earlier. Um, uh, let's go over to that interview right now, and this is with uh, the journalist and and writer and and trans. You know, a, a very trans-critical, cri uh, Roisin. Michaud. Michaud. Yes, based in Brussels. We met her at the... Roisin, yes. Roisin. Roisin. Can I just say something? Our, our American producer sent us... The, pro the correct pronunciation of Roisin. How the correct pronunciation. And of course, we have Roisins in our own family. Yes. 
So we don't need anyone helping us Grandiose. with the pronunciation. But thank you very much, producer. But yes, Roisin Michou. Um, and we spoke to her earlier. She lives in Brussels. Of course, she was here at the weekend. But let's go over to that right now. Okay, so we're joined now by Roisin Michou. Uh, she's a writer and advocate for sex-based rights. And we indeed, in fact, met her at the rally on Saturday. Um, uh, uh, she's based in Brussels. And uh, she has you know, a very interesting take on the transgender movement. She writes for Unheard and numerous other publications, and uh, is very powerful and uh, pulls no punches uh, when writing about the uh, trans madness. So welcome to the show, Rushing. Thank you very much for having me. Delighted to chat to you today. So what did you think about the rally on Saturday? What were your thoughts? Uh, were you surprised by it, or was it different from other rallies you might have been at? Uh, I think um, in terms of overall, it was just a huge success. Um, I was when I got there, I saw that there were only about 25 women gathered at like quarter past 11. And I flipped out a bit and I said, oh, my God, what if only like 20 of us show up? And then people just started streaming in and streaming and streaming. They did not stop streaming. Um, So I was really happy with the numbers. First of all, I was really happy with the Garda Mm -hmm. setup. I feel like the format has been done enough now and there are enough videos out there and examples and articles that I think any police force worth their salt is able to see exactly what's the ideal setup. So it's sort of like put enough space between us that we're that you're giving them the chance to feel like they're protesting us and then enough distance for us to be able to hear each other speak. So I sort of feel like it's probably the Dublin setup is very similar to uh the utrecht setup that i was at last week so only last weekend i went to the netherlands to the city of utrecht which is in the north and they had the exact same sort of Mm -hmm. distance and the exact same setup but the police there tried their best but i don't think they've really i think there's a stronger antifa presence in the netherlands and they started throwing the fences they started dismantling the metal uh, uh barriers and started throwing them and the horses got spooked so the police removed their barriers so i think They may, the guards might be probably, like I understand that there was a lot of work behind the scenes. The guards probably um, did a lot of research and were shared a lot of articles and stuff and could see that, um, you know, I think think people are learning now. I think the event itself is getting known, so... You know, I mean, I, I, it's the first time I've been to one of these events, by the way, and I, you know, I have loads of thoughts, but, what, but I'd love you to talk about who these protesters were who were extreme to me, my my view of it, like they seemed very, very organized, very well financed. You mean the, you mean the, the anti? So the uh, the so the the, the 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 event we went to was called Let Women Speak. That that event was was announced, and then after that announcement comes this counter protest by these people who wanted to not let women speak. I suppose must be what really what they were up to, because their big thing was making lots and lots of noise. Who are these people? Who are they? So um, in every country, it's kind of the same. You've got these these uh, charities, and they're usually charities in the UK. They're NGOs, they're nonprofits, um, and they it's the same everywhere. They get grants from international funders, but they also get re- re- grants from national research. Uh, sorry, research national funders. Um, they get uh, lots of money from in in Ireland. They get a lot of money 
in particularly in Ireland, they get a lot of money from the state. So the Department of Children, Youth Integration, I can't remember what it is, and the Health Service uh, Executive and the Suicide Prevention Agency. So basically, you've got these NGOs um, that have been around for quite a long time in the relatively speaking, because a lot of this is quite new. But for example, the biggest trans rights organization in Ireland is called TENI, Transgender Equality Network Ireland. They've got some um, allegedly dodgy financial stories going on there they don't seem somebody was tweeting about this today and it's true i was just thinking about it um belong to is the other one now belong to is is not just transgender it's lgbt so that's in their name belong to it's the blgt whatever they they're more targeted towards kids and they're extremely well financed belong to is really dangerous because they target children and i don't know if you heard the the young the not all gays people speak and i've seen some of them of their tweets not all gays is a brand new organization grassroots little group of young gay irish people who um have stories about going to belong to and being basically told you're too feminine you can't possibly be a man you must be a girl you know so uh, a lot of people with mental health disorders you know people confused about their sexuality yeah. or worried yeah. about it or whatever and then they show up to this place they have these lovely friendly little evening sessions you know and then basically it's not cool to be a cis straight person you you at the very least should be non-binary so those are the kind of organizations so the, the names of the big ngos in ireland are yeah. belong to and the other one is um i i like what you're saying there i mean and i think it, it, this came out in the mermaids case versus the lgb alliance which we did the play about in london um that young people who you know young effeminate gay men uh, or would go to somewhere like belong to or to their counselors or to their teachers. And when they see this effeminate person, they don't think, oh, that's an effeminate gay person. In fact, one of the uh, people from Mermaids actually tried to say, no, there's no history of, of gay men being effeminate. And everyone laughed at that. I mean, they, this is what they're saying. There's, you know, they're trying to deny history. So when you're an effeminate gay man and you go to someone in the authority, you're told that you're transgender. Not that you're gay. They're, they're, uh, the phrase they used for it was transing away the gay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that seems to have happened a lot. And there's some really good accounts. And maybe if you want to share with your your viewers, um, the, the, there's, there's some not all gays. And there's some people like Clean City Birds. Um, they've told their stories of what happened to them personally and belong to. So those are we, we've got the, the traditional sort of classic uh, LGB orgs as well that became LGBTQI orgs obviously though they were also there the other day but the other people the, probably the most worrying part was the political parties because I think um, you know it's hard to know exactly what goes on behind the scenes but the as I said the NGOs are really well funded so they definitely have the means to organize this sort of stuff um, then you've got the political parties and I saw so people before profit is one of them and they're supposed to be this like real mm -hmm. like we're for the working people you know it's, I can't imagine yes. anything more ridiculous like um, the most bourgeois yeah. people you've ever seen and I saw three lads who I think come from that uh, I call them now the puberty blocker party because they're PBP um, people before profit puberty yeah blocker party um i saw them carrying a load of signs down the road you know and um the others then i think there were some there might have been some there were some socialists i think and so they sort of rallied all yeah. their people oh, yeah. but you see, yeah. they're all um, in these big networks and they're in this big initiative called trans equality together and 
it's just so in Ireland, they are so ideologically captured and they are in the pockets of certain ministers. And it's really, it's, it's a cancerous disease that it would be, it has, has, what's the words when cancer goes everywhere. It's, um, it's just spread throughout certain ministries, you know. It feels like there are very few Irish politicians who are speaking up for sanity. Obviously, this, the senator, um, Sharon, um, what's Kill. her name? Sharon McEwen. Kilgan. Kilgan. But I mean, there's so few of them. There's like only a hand. There's like one or two or three, whereas everyone else is either silent or complicit. And I suppose actually silence is complicity in this one. Yeah, and, and the thing that is kind of heartening but also depressing at the same time is that we hear often that civil servants and senior civil servants are contacting turfs and, and you know, or we're hearing through the grapevine that they're sick of this and that they really are against it, um, but there's not much they can do. So I like it's the same in all the rest of Europe. Like I follow the story in a lot of European countries. It's it's creating this Europe wide turn rightwards we're going to get more conservative right-wing parties like they're they're doing the absolute worst thing for their cause but they seem just so propelled by something i don't know like this fervor they're just i don't know how anyone can dig themselves out of this so i sort of feel and i feel this about the politicians but ordinary people as well don't say anything about it because you'll have to dig yourself out of it in a couple of years from now like i imagine public inquiries about puberty blocker doctors you know I've got um I'm I not to blow my cover but I've I'm in a couple of I'm in quite a few private Facebook and Discord groups of young people in Ireland who are shopping online for for their their hormones and they're swapping the names of doctors who will do mastectomies on them and stuff and so we have the names of the doctors who are doing it we have the names of the people who are you know there were there were people in those groups who are part of the NGOs who were given tips to like 16 year olds on how to the minute you hit 18 this is the name of the doctor in the, in Poland who will do your mastectomy you know giving them advice on how much weight you need to lose like it's just it the rot is so deep and i see that um there are loads of people involved in this who are going to i just want them dragged in front of a public inquiry this to you know come away from the irish even the european situation you you've written some very interesting articles recently i mean yeah, the one you meet more perverts when you're poor. The pampered activists who run our institutions have have no idea what they're unleashing on women. I mean, you, you make the point as an elite educated person from a from an educated middle class family with a nice going to a nice school. You're you're you're. I mean, it's there in the headline. You meet more perverts when you're poor. If you come from a dysfunctional community be a dysfunctional family in a dysfunctional school the safeguards aren't there so therefore predatory men pretending to be women to get access to, to girls and women are going to are going to target that particular sector of society yeah well i mean the t you know everyone has a different reason for why they're so triggered by this but i think i think if i were to sit down and meditate on it for a few hours i would probably find the source of my major trigger but i suspect what it is is I made it through all of all of that. I made it through a couple of decades of being perved on, groped, followed, molested, raped, all of that stuff. And then somebody comes, my daughter is seven years old and some NGO comes along and says, there's no difference between men and women. And there's something about that that drives me up the wall. And the reason why, 
and I, that article is really really popular it's the most popular thing i've ever written and it gets like people share it regularly just like it, i i wrote it in january but i every now and then it pops up again and does the rounds it's not my doing but people it really resonates with people it, it annoys me because it was i i was in the kitchen making dinner one day and i just tapped it out while standing up i had my laptop on the counter and i was standing up and i tapped it out within 30 minutes it was the least polished thing i've ever written and it was the most popular thing I've ever written I spend weeks on articles sometimes but it because it really came from the heart because I think I was just there going like and I the, I the way I the reason I know that these people in the institutions don't know is because I've worked in the institutions so I work in the I don't work now but I used to work in the European Commission and the thing about the European Commission I'm a big EU fan. I know it's a, I know I'm a Nazi bigot fascist, but I'm a really big fan of European integration. And I think it's really common for people who come from small countries to be into EU integration because you can see the big benefits of it. It would be like for us, it would be like splitting the United States into a million different tiny states. So I am a big fan of the EU, but I left the commission. But while I was there for a few years, what I noticed was I really it took me a few years, but one day I really realized, oh, these people don't know this. These people don't, because no. when you, when you're, if you grow up with means and you go to the scouts and you hear a rumor that the scouts has a pedophilia problem, you take your kid out of the scouts and you put them in tennis instead, you know? So a, 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 a girl growing up in those circumstances doesn't hear or get confronted or, you know, you don't, you've, you've loads of choices. Like when you're in a place where there's no mm -hmm. facilities, no activities nothing you're just like and and so i i find it even difficult to talk about it sometimes because the cheek of these people and i remember one of the mm -hmm. issues that i that we had was i remember trying to say to the people that i worked with in the commission you know what would be really good it would be really good if you hired some of the assistants you know the lower tier sort of jobs in the institutions hire them from working class people from working class people uh, communities because we're making a lot of policies and laws here and i don't think you've ever met the people that you're making the policies and laws for and they think they know what a working class person is and they think they know depravity they don't know depravity like when i was growing up i remember people calling us the working class and i was always just like nobody is working here why is everyone called a working class and then i realized we were actually good. we were the underclass you know so we, and and so when you grow up, like I've even found when I was working in the commission, I found very difficult to find much in common with the quote unquote elites. I know I say it in a derogatory way, but you have to imagine like we have people from all over Europe, but you've got the elites of Romania and the elites of Bulgaria and the elites of even the poorest countries, you know, and they, they especially people from those countries are particularly keen to to um, distance themselves from any sort of show her. Absolutely. They want to show that they're worthy of the club. We've met them. I mean, if you want to really meet the elites uh, all together and discover how, as you say, Anne, the people from Tuvalu speak the, the elites from Tuvalu speak the, same, speak the same nonsense as the elites and in the Romania. Same, the same messages, same, same language. Messages. Go to a climate conference. Yeah. Go to an IPCC climate conference. You'll, yeah, you'll meet people from Tuvalu, from Fiji, from Romania. And Dublin. And Dublin. And they're all saying exactly the all, same. And they all have the same phone. Yeah, no, we yeah. know exactly what you mean. But that you think that the, the, the people, no, from, they think, yeah, they think the fact that they're, they're, they 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 despise the people of Tuvalu more than yeah. 
than the elites of Romania might despise the, pe the people of Tuvalu because they, they, they look down on, the, on their working classes and underclasses. They have no uh, concept of them. And I noticed that last week. So I got into a bit of a Twitter drama last week um, because I was I love Kelly J. Keane's approach of any woman can speak and nobody is any different from anyone else. And no woman is more worthy of speaking at her events than anyone else. And we had a two and a half hour long Twitter space. And in it, I said, you know, I said, I was talking about women. And I said, if you identify with the far right, you're also welcome to come. That's totally fine. And what I meant by that, um, and I hate to have, because when you're explaining, you're losing. But what I was trying to say is all of the women who have been tagged as far right because there might be anti-vax or because they, um, or because they were anti-lockdown or because they have issues with, uncontrolled immigration which i don't have an opinion on any of these things i'm just sort of i remain completely neutral as i say this um those women are despised like in ireland and somebody made the remark to me well it might have even been you i don't remember but somebody said ireland is a really classist society and i've been thinking about it a lot since then so i so somebody took my clip out of context of course and said look posy parker's organizers and i wasn't an organizer at all i'm just a twitter turf but they said, look, they've invited the far right Nazi thugs to the event. That's proof. And I was like, so I've been trying to make the point ever since that, like all of every single woman I grew up with on that housing estate is what we would call persona non grata, scum of the earth, far right. Nowadays, nowadays, you mean you can go to nice pubs in the west of Ireland and you'll be with a group of women and they'll, they'll suddenly lower their voice and they'll say what those they'll start talking about those topics so it's it's just not mm -hmm. working class or underclass even the middle class now are afraid they're afraid to speak it's publicly so, but i was very very i really liked that article that you wrote. as you say you just rattled it out but you know mm -hmm. there's a you know you know that the elites they watch films about the poors you know uh but but they have never you know no one's ever captured as you say that desperate feeling of being compromised by having no money no recourse no authority no protection but the girls who make the rules now don't see any reason why a couple of quote bad apples should prevent poor men from being able to live their true authentic life in the body they deserve they don't believe it when you tell them men are opportunists uh, or mm -hmm. worse they think they know what you mean so they i suppose they they don't believe that people some people are fundamentally bad and will exploit people and will predate on people I think that's it. I think it's this like very optimistic view of the world. They yeah. and what's funny, what's funny about it all. I mean, the whole gender thing. All the sociologists who introduced these concepts, who deconstructed gender until it would turned it to dust and it whittled away into nothing. So there's no such thing as man or woman or anything. All those people have a fundamentally overly optimistic view of the world, saying that if everything is socially constructed, then we can fix it. You know, and that's a lovely way to think. But you. That it's a luxury belief, as they say, you know, um, it's it's nice yes, for those yeah, people to yeah. be able to think that way. And what annoys me is they all go off and they a lot of the sociologists who are involved in the deconstruction of gender and all, all these researchers and and the people who help the UN and the institutions, you know, um, introduce these concepts that we're all dealing with now. They study poverty, but you don't you can't study what underclass women experience and when i and i say underclass like i don't mean that like i'm just using the term that that most people probably are familiar with the term underclass we all know what we mean when we say that term 
Um, when mm, and yeah. right now I'm a gentrifier, so I uh, I have money now. I have a job, you know. Um, I've done really well for myself. It's very very good. But I I'm one of those people who bought a house in a very poor neighborhood in Brussels. So uh, like eighty percent of my neighbors are from the North African Maghrebian countries, like Algeria and Tunisia, and Morocco and stuff. Um, my closest friend is uh, reads the Quran every day, wears a veil, you know. Um, very very poor people but like ridiculously poor um and we have a lot of them are moroccan but a lot of them are brazilian and portuguese and you've got these little cafes that are tiny toilets and they're separated by sex and you know the cafe on the end of my street they have a key for the women's toilet so that the men don't go in there that's the reality of it you know um these like men will be there drinking all day long and the women if they want to be able to go out and have a cup of coffee or have a beer there has to be a way to protect them. And I just see it every day because that's where we might, me and my boyfriend go for a beer, like of an evening, you know, it's real let them eat cake stuff, you know, like. How does, so how we're coming to the end of the time here, but Roshin, I have a question for you. How does yeah. this end? How does, how does, how does this madness end? I mean, I, I compare this to eugenics and, you know, and everyone thought eugenics was a great idea. Yeah. It was incredibly right. popular. All the smartest people on the planet Earth agreed on it, you know, and if you didn't agree on it, you were uh, ignoramus. And you were anti-science. You know, and you were anti-science and all that. How does this end? Um, I mean, I, I, there's no ending it without an incredible amount of damage, by the way, to the children that have already been, you know, destroyed. But how does this just come to an end where we then look back and say, the, I mean, I, I think people should go to prison, by the way, but how how does it end, do you think? Honestly, I just don't know. I just, but I would... Uh, I just want to know where it all comes from. And it's interesting that you mentioned eugenics because a lot of it is linked to International Planned Parenthood Federation and to different development agencies who are working on family planning and stuff. And it's all that's why I'm saying it's such a long story. So I'd love to, I might contact the, the people who edited uh, Glinner's book and try and see if we did, maybe we could try and get the story down on paper because I feel like if we can figure out where it came from then we know what we're tackling because it's being framed as a human rights issue but it's not it's it's something else there there is a reason why everybody suddenly pretended to care about a small minority of cross-dressing men there's a reason for it and i think the yes. intentions behind that were very very good and we need to figure out what the what the reason is i know that in the us it's going to end up it's the lawsuits that will change everything but then i think here like stella yes. o'malley has a great quote uh where she says that um you know three weeks before the fall of the soviet union or before of the fall of the berlin wall or whatever everybody thought that everybody else you know was on board with this and then it turned out that they were all thinking the exact, exact same thing that it was madness so sorry i'm really bad at history i can't remember which country it might have been in romania with Ceausescu or something i don't know but basically i think we're we just I hosted a few women in my house over the weekend, uh, women coming in from the UK, and they left all sorts of turf-related detritus all over my house. And um, one of one of I found a business card this morning on my kitchen table, and it said the first rule of turf club is always talk about turf club. So I just bring it up whenever I can. And Aja, the Empress, um, had a really funny suggestion the other day. She said, if you're, you're if you're on the bus, have a fake phone call with someone and tell them something. So you're not like accosting people yes. with information. She was saying like, you know, pretend yeah, you're yeah. on the phone to your yeah, best I mate and say to them, did you see that? Very good. It's funny. And actually, I saw something on Twitter. I don't know if you saw that. But somebody, somebody who had been at the rally and they were on the train, I was going back to Cork or Galway or something. And they were, you know, just chatting with their friend, the fr- and how much a great time they'd had and everything. 
And then they met a couple and they all got chatting. The next thing she saw this man dressed up as a woman glaring at them, wearing a kind of a wig. But she took a photograph of him. She put it up on on Twitter and it was like, oh, he was raging because she, and she said like, they weren't even, they they weren't conscious of him at all. They were just chatting chatting about what a great day they'd had and and chatting up this other couple and everything. And uh, oh yeah, but but yeah, they took a photograph of him glaring at them. Like, um, and he he was grunting, like he made a few big grunts, um, you know, to to let them know that he did not approve, you know, and that he had been on the other side of the barricade as do you really want to be going and like as i say accosting people and and saying to them you know why aren't you so angry about this so it's we're gonna have to do it in a more peripheral way i think like you know dropping things dropping the odd comment like about you know this man and this prison into your conversation or whatever and just get people sort of interested leave your you know i i sticker dublin airport female stickers this yeah. morning people, people speak. I just saw, I just saw a, um, um, a little handout from Tenny the group that you mentioned earlier TENI who obviously are very well um, funded and it was I mean really disturbing stuff and the idea that people aren't speaking that might be and it was this you know how how the best way to best to do your binding your chest and all these yeah. kind of you know written in this style of a health brochure like you know don't do this and do do this and get this whatever and I just thought, this is complete madness, you know, and, and it's, it, we're, we're being, we're being ghosted here. You know, what's like, we're, you know, we're being, you know, we're gaslit. being, not ghosted, gaslit. we're being gaslit. gaslit. It's, like, yeah. it's like the, it's like that play, it's like that play Rhinoceros, where it's like, you know, I mean, you, you know, you just kind of, is this completely mad? This is a completely mad world. And more people need to stand up and say, this is completely mad. And I'm not going to play along with your madness. Um, but people are frightened and people have been silent. I try to imagine my most charitable, I try to imagine the most charitable explanation for why, you know, people are doing, our opposition, let's just call them that, why they behave the way they do and why they behave the way they did on Saturday towards us. And I think that if I, if I thought there was a group of people who were anti-Semitic, you know, um, I would probably do the same thing, maybe. I don't know if I would, right. you know, yeah. so I just sort of think like yeah. they might, some of them might actually think we are that bad and some of them are pretending to think we're that bad and they're actually just misogynistic and they just hate women telling them no. Um, but I think normies yeah. are just looking at this going, is that that anti-Semitic thing? Oh my God, my friend's being captured by it. And so you have to go so slowly and just drop a little bit of info, a little bit of info because I don't know, like... I feel I feel a lot more compassion yeah. um, for people who during lockdown were completely against vaccinations. So I'm vaxxed to the max. Um, I was okay with lockdown because I'm of the laptop class. But um, I I remember friends coming at me because as I said I have loads loads and loads of friends from diverse backgrounds and people coming at me and just saying how can you how can you even consider giving a vaccine to your child? And I was like whoa. And now I feel really bad for them for not sort of not that I've changed my mind about vaccines or whatever, but we need to start listening to people who have different opinions to us. That's another point of this whole thing. Like yeah. Kelly Jenkins says, this is a free speech issue as well. You yeah. know? So unfortunately we've run out of time, but honestly, this was fantastic, Roisin. Thank you so much. I know that you are, she is literally in the door of the plane from, from being in Dublin for the weekend um, at the March. And we are so grateful for your time. Um, thank you so much. It okay, was lovely Roisin. talking to Bye. you. Yeah. Oh, how, can people, how can people get in touch with you? Sorry. And yes. how can they follow you? 
Yeah, so I'm on Twitter. My name is Roshin Michaud. So my first name, my last name, um, as you can probably see there. Um, and yeah, I have a Substack. Uh, it's called Peaked. So you can find me on there as well. We'll put the links up in the show notes so people will be able to we'll, able to find you. Brilliant. Thank okay, you. Okay, Roshin. Well, thank you so much. Have a lovely Appreciate day. It. Talk so, soon. Yeah, as she says, she doesn't see a happy ending. You know, there'll be a lot of misery, a lot of pain and misery. That's the thing I took out of that was there'll be a lot of pain and a lot of misery before there's a, a happy huge ending. Issue. It's a huge issue. I think something one, something I regretted not asking her about was that there is some, you know, there's quite a few positive things happening in Europe. Certain countries in Europe mm. have actually banned the practice of of puberty blockers for children and surgeries for children. So there are, you know, there are some positive developments, including the fact that the Tavistock Centre in the UK was closed. But you then have places like Ireland, you have, you know, crazy stuff going on all over, still going on all over the place. So, um, you know, we need to watch this space. So this, I really really wanted to cover this story because it's very, it's very, very interesting. Um, You may have seen in the headlines that Trump, uh, condemned Ron DeSantis for signing the, the fetal heartbeat bill, which outlawed or made illegal abortions after six weeks in Florida. So let's just look at what Trump said. What, he, what Trump actually said. So yeah. let's let's play a little bit of the quote now. Okay, let's play that quote. I would sit down with both sides and I'd negotiate something and we'll end up with peace on that issue for the first time in 52 years. Uh, I'm not going to say I would or I wouldn't. I mean, DeSantis is willing to sign a five-week and six-week ban. Would you support that? You think I, that I goes think what he far? did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake. He goes on then to say, you know, oh, Democrats aren't. He sort of says it there, but he goes even into more detail. Democrats are not. They don't want abortions up to nine months. They don't want abortions up to eight months. Democrats don't want to see abortion in the seventh month. Okay, I speak to a lot of Democrats. The I un- disagree. The unfortunate <laughs> reality is they do. They do. Right. And, and that's why they find it so difficult when questioned to say when they would have a cutoff of any because kind. So many people. So do. I think Trump is very wrong on this one because he is saying that he thinks Trump that the Democrats actually he's actually de- he's actually describing the Democrats of the Bill Clinton years, where Bill Clinton said safe, yeah. legal, and rare. Not n- I haven't heard one Democrat yet talk like that. I haven't no. heard one. So Trump saying that that's what the, that's the position of the Democrats is inaccurate. In, in, my, fact. in my in fact, because what's happened now with these ballot measures that have been going on around the country, and of course, there's going to be one now in Ohio in, in November, is that in fact, in some ways, they are now in these into the constitutions in, in individual states, they're actually making it legal to have an abortion up to nine months for basically any reason, because they say things like for the light for the health the financial health of the woman, mm-hmm. the psychological health, the social health, right. you know. And if you start that kind of slippery slope, then it's anything, anytime, anywhere. anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And look, he may, I mean, by the way, you know, you got to separate the truth from politics, right? And, and I think this ties down. Trump was advanced the pro-life cause more than any president ever I think yes. since since yes. abortion was legalized yep. and I suppose that's because he's a transactional president he promised that he would do that yes. and he did it yeah um he's now saying and again you've got to separate the politics from the from the moral case and perhaps he's right perhaps it's a vote loser to be anti-abortion after up to six weeks maybe it is um so certainly the pro-life are losing a lot of referendums and that. So maybe Trump is, is right that this is a vote loser. But 
just like a dem if you are a democrat and you say you know what i think abortion should be legal up to 15 weeks and nothing afterwards like trump is trying to say you would not you would be primaried and you'd lose your primary yeah. similarly if you're a republican and you say i want to you know be more flexible and maybe 20 then you would lose your primary also so there's the political truth um a political or a political reality and the the morality and I think what's I think I think it's worth saying I think Phelan was sort of saying there about the ballot measures that have happened across the country so there's been six so far the seventh one will be in Ohio there'll be four more in November in mm -hmm. November of 2024 but I think the reason why the pro-life side are losing is well at least one reason at least one reason yeah. uh, I've got two reasons one reason is they are vastly outspent yes. um, our very dear friend Richard Vigory who is the funding father of America and knows all about um, about NGOs and, and no. uh, 501c3s like ourselves and our funding issues basically he says that the pro-life movement are spending the pro-abortion movement are spending a thousand percent more yeah. on this issue than the pro-life side so vastly outspent and the second thing that they're doing and they have the you see they have the um they have the agreement and the collusion of the ma of the mainstream media is that they are lying mm -hmm. and they are lying and they're getting away with the lies so they're yes. basically saying things like women are dying women are dying god mm -hmm. since roe women are dying women are not dying there's no there's no evidence of that at all but they're saying that and it's a kind of an easy narrative and it sounds it sounds good by the way it sounds very compelling yes. and it's like who wants to be on the side of women dying yes. right so this is complete nonsense um but this is how they're winning this is how they're winning so we have to fight harder and you know because i think i've kind of hinted at this a few times we have a plan for ohio we have a plan for that ballot measure and our plan is very much about education to bring very the, to much bring the about truth. bringing the truth we have no we're, we're not we're not telling people how to vote we're saying people should know everything before they vote people should be informed very informed of what exactly it is that they are being asked to vote for. So watch this space. And I think an awful lot of people, I mean, I would think, I wonder often, I very often wonder how many people in Colorado know that you can have an abortion for any reason up to nine months mm -hmm. in Colorado, yeah. completely legally. How many people know that? How many people in New Mexico know that you can have abortion up to nine months in New Mexico or New York or New Jersey or California or, California, or, or Washington State or Oregon and all these other places? I just wonder how many people actually know that. So I think it's good to bring the truth about this to people. And I think it's a very easy way. This was a lovely segue into me saying we need your help. Um, as I've mentioned a few times before, we have a, we have a donor who is donating $25,000 this month uh, in September to help us with the cause. And we really need you to, to come up to the plate and to, ma match, and to match that. Um, and anything that you can give will make a huge difference because... This, this is an incredibly important fight and the problem is that the lies are getting uh, propagated and there's an incredible amount of money behind those lies and we need to tell the truth. Just what, you know, just tell the truth about what this really looks like and what this really involves and I think you kind of know where I'm going with this. Uh, we will tell you more next week. Yeah. Okay. Thank you.
Uh, I think that's the end of the show. I think that's the end of us. But we will, yeah. And obviously we had an extraordinary weekend, met some fabulous people and just a lovely... And what was interesting with the crowd that we were with, you know, the crowd on the side of the Let Women Speak group, was people were really nice. People were very happy. They They were loving being together. They weren't angry. They weren't angry. People were chatting to each other. There was lovely people. There were people there. I spoke to a couple of men. There was quite a number of men there, actually. Mm-hmm. And, and I spoke to a couple of men and they were like, they were basically saying, like one guy said to me, he was kind of an older guy. He sort of said, I've never been to anything like this before. I've never been. But he said, I have, I have grown up children, but I have grandchildren. And I'm really scared, he was saying about this. And that's the kind of people that were there. Uh, the other side, as I said, was very much peopled by, it, fe- it felt very corporate, if you know what I mean. It yes. felt very um, super, super organized. They had all the, you know, they had all the flags. Um, and as, 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 as we heard from, uh, from Rushing, you know, her, her suspicion is that they're basically all paid for. They're all part yes. of this NGO network of trans activist um, NGOs that are that are paid for by Irish taxpayers. Anyway, very that's not good news. So if you want to help us do what we do, go to Unreported Story Society, donate what you can. It's tax deductible. Yeah, we are five hundred one c three. Please do that. Unreported Story Society and we'll put the links in the show notes. Bye. Thank you. Bye.